Rewind. But to have the 10 points banked is really important for us and, and we just have to make sure that we, we are very, very well prepared for Italy, particularly uh, Sergio Parise is due back in tomorrow. I think he is very much a talisman for the Italian team and um, you know, I, I think that they're starting to build their way into the tournament and uh, they'll, they'll be very, very tough for us next weekend. We expected that. It was uh, nearly score for score and just very happy to be on the right side of it and, you know, uh, a great end to a great year. As I said before, it's a religion up there, you know, they, they just live for their hurling and um, they put their, la- their, their heart and soul into it and I'm just delighted for the whole parish. I'm sure now all the experts, Harry Powers and Boyle Sports, they'll, they'll get it all right again the next day. We'll all have us at 4-1 to outsiders and, you know, it'll be, uh, I suppose the winner of this game, will be, they'll probably give them the cup after today. I think the hysteria around it is, is pretty clear. There's maybe something else going on from behind. Altogether as supporters and players, we all got ourselves uh, the victory and we're five points off the top and still with a lot of progress to make. This is the Rewind. I'm Oisín Langan coming up more on the build-up to Ireland and Italy and the reaction from the win over Romania at Wembley. Plus we've got Eamon Ryan, Rita Buckley and Valerie Mulcahy of Cork along with Dublin boss Greg McGonagall and analysis of the game from Kerry's Louise Galvin in the aftermath of the TG Carr All-Ireland Ladies Football Final. As well as all that, the club championships are heating up around the country. We hear from the leash hurling decider where Clock Balakala overcame Camros. You heard from their manager Kevin Martin in there as well as Castle Daily boss John Donlan on his side reaching the Westmeath senior football final more from those two later you also heard from Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers uh, later we'll have uh, more on football including Paddy Mulligan on the Jack Grealish saga which is finally at an end he has decided to play for England in a statement today he says I have decided to give my allegiance to England it was not an easy decision as Ireland has a special place with me through my family however I, I have decided to represent the country of my birth here are the thoughts of Alan McLaughlin who faced in Ireland England England dilemma himself during his playing career difficult really for me I'm obviously disappointed um, that we have lost potentially a, a premiership player who is capable of, of playing at a high level um, I didn't take six months or eight months it took me all of 20 seconds to decide either over England or Ireland <laughs> so um, I'm coming from a completely different angle and a, def- a completely different mindset so um, it, it didn't take me that long obviously the likes of Roy Hodgson uh, has, must have made some sort of guarantees to him that he will be included in the future squad and given an opportunity and he's decided to take the option to go with England now I'm disappointed in such a fact that you know England weren't there when he'd represented uh, obviously uh, Ireland his, his, his chosen country from uh, younger age groups uh, they weren't around then to uh, see the talent uh, recognise the talent and give him the opportunity so him to turn around then and be offered a carrot of potentially uh, playing the England's team. Um, yeah, it's his decision and you have to respect it. Uh, yes, Shay will obviously tweeted that. Um, obviously, I'm not on Twitter and I don't do Facebook. So um, my thoughts uh, are I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed for everyone involved who's worked with the FAI, who've actually uh, uh, you know coached him and worked with him and given the opportunity to play in, in, in games and, and, and qualifying games. And the uh, hard work that's put in is sort of like uh, has, has gone by the wayside. And uh, I'm not sure he'll go along and make many caps, if I'm honest. When you've got the likes of you know Ross Barkley, John Joe Selby, who's just been given an opportunity centre of midfield, obviously that would be something that uh, the likes of Roy Hodgson will be making uh, him aware of that he will give opportunities. But then, uh, will he get in front of Henderson? Uh, will he get in front of a fit Jack Wilshire? Fabi, will he get in front of a fit Fabian Delft? To name but a few, Ryan Mason, who's done and, and done pretty well for, uh, for Spurs as well. So, you listen, he's confident off the field that he can go in there and make an impact. 
Um, but long term, I'd be surprised if he makes more than 10 or 15 caps. So that's Alan McLaughlin and Jack Grealish. We'll have more with Paddy Mulligan later. Rugby now and why Wales claimed the result of the weekend beating England 28-25. Ireland made it 2 from 2 with a bonus point win over Romania. Off the walls, Dave McIntyre will join us from London shortly. But first, let's get the thoughts of the players and the management. Keith Darrell's going in and Keith Darrell gets it in the corner. The man we were saying has been the outstanding player for Ireland today is on the end of a move across the field from right to left and it was the sort of finish we've come to expect. There was a number of players that, that did perform really well and will create a bit of a selection headache for us uh, leading into Italy. The, the midfield pairing worked well. I thought Darren Cave got through a power of work as well as making a couple of line breaks. Jared Payne again. As you said, Simon Zebo did really well. I thought his pass for Keith Earl's try was, uh, was exceptional, as was Keith's acceleration to get in in the corner. I think the guys found it to be an incredibly hard game um, from a fitness point of view which was similar to the Canada game, which hopefully will stand us in good stead for the for the rest of the tournament. Owen Redden was involved on the loop around. He was involved twice. And then Tommy Bow had a much easier finish than the, for the try that he had in the first half. Two tries apiece for the two wingers. It's been a very good day for the wide men. I thought he had a super game. He finished the, the try in the corner incredibly well. Well, he finished both tries, but I thought he was incredibly strong in the air. He made a, a fantastic low tackle to, uh, to allow Jared Payne to get on the ball and make a turn over in the second half so both sides of the ball I, I felt that Tommy was really good today. Being heavily favoured to get a result and, and getting the end result are two entirely different things so to have worked our way through those those two games you know, I, I think Canada demonstrated how difficult they are to play against if you allow them to get on the ball um, in their performance yesterday against Italy. I think at the same time Romania demonstrated how tough they make the game for you because physically they are well put together and they defend incredibly well. They're a, a fantastic collective and it, it, it did make it a very, very tough afternoon's work for us. Done Wales it. are going to win this. They've done it. Bigger. Off the field. Wales have done it. They have beaten England at Twickenham in England's World Cup. We feel we've let a lot of people down who have come to support us and in a way we didn't quite close out the game when we were in a very prominent position. Like I said, credit to them. But it's now about what happens next for us. It's about a huge week ahead. We know we've got a huge challenge in Australia coming to town. So that's the reaction to not only Ireland's win against Romania from some of those who were involved on the playing side and the management side, but also Wales' win over England. Chris Robshaw talking there, but was he the cause of defeat? They could have got a draw had they kicked for a penalty. Uh, We'll talk about that now with uh, Dave McIntyre, who joins us uh, from Wembley. Dave, you're at Wembley this morning and today because Ireland have actually uh, held a press conference and they've been talking about some of the injury news. Is it fair to say it's a mixed bag or is it mostly positive? It's mostly positive. I think the only guy who is of any real concern heading into the game at the weekend is Rob Carney. It was described yesterday in the post-match press conference by Joe Schmidt as Rob jarring himself a little as he went to touchdown for the try that he scored after coming off the bench. This morning there was a little more detail. It's a glucial strain. So basically, Rob Carney's got a sore arse is probably one way of putting it. But um, it is something that they hope will be able to be cleared up over the next 48 hours. But it will be 24 to 48 hours before they give are able 
to give us a real idea as to how serious it might potentially be. He is going to undergo a scan in Guildford this afternoon and they uh, told us, Mick Carney, the team manager, has told us we'll get an update tomorrow. The other guys who had some element of uh, a cloud over them were Keith Earls, who seemed to suffer a head injury yesterday. He's returning, re undergoing the return to play protocols. They should be completed by tomorrow. There's no real issue over Keith Earls after a brilliant performance from him yesterday. Robbie Henshaw, of course, is the only member of the 31-man squad who's yet to see any game time, but they expect him to train fully when they return to the pitch tomorrow and will be available at the weekend. And then Jordy Murphy was seen with some strapping on his leg as he left the stadium yesterday evening, but that was just precautionary. He suffered a little bit of a dead leg, but they don't seem to have any issues over him either. So, yeah, you're right, a mixed bag. Rob Carney seems to be the only issue, and there's still a lot of hope that he'll be available at the weekend. We've just heard what the management had to say after yesterday's game and the players as well. Look, we can only beat what was there. We did everything that we needed to do. We got the bonus point. Yeah, there were things we need to improve on. But you're actually with the squad. You're with the fans. Are you getting a feeling that they are actually happy with where they are? I mean, they are right to a certain extent. They can only win the games that they've played so far. We haven't played a Tier 1 nation. We've only played Tier 2 nations. And we've done everything that was expected. Yeah, I think if you'd offered the exact position they're in currently to the management of players six weeks ago, for example, they probably would have taken it. I mean, the attrition rate hasn't been too bad for this Ireland squad. They only lost Tommy O'Donnell and Marty Moore in the build-up to the tournament. And then since they've arrived in camp, as it were, following the final World Cup warm-up match against the Welsh... Robbie Henshaw has been the only major issue and it is a hamstring strain that has caused some concern but they have seemed to manage it pretty well and it looks like he is going to play at the weekend. Keen Healy's return to fitness is a massive boost and as is the fact that everybody else has got to see some game time and when everybody gets to play it just gives the impression that there are no dirt trackers in this squad. All 31 players now feel 100% included in the project that is going on over the next few weeks. I think the managers have managed the basis and the facilities that have been provided to the players very well. They were waxing lyrical about the quality of their surroundings at St. George's Park. They got to go play some golf at the Belfry, got to go to Alton Towers, so they have found the right balance. And then being in around London, around the fans, there was a lot of fans staying in the team hotel for the last two nights, the Hilton Hotel just outside Wembley Stadium. So they're around their fans signing autographs. I met Sean O'Brien in the lift earlier, and he said it was a quiet night. That or one or two maybe that they had, but there was absolutely nothing serious. They just wanted to get the head down and move on to the next game. And all in all, I think players and management are absolutely delighted by where they are. Albeit, you have to admit, they do two big tests have yet to come, and the World Cup really gets underway now for this Ireland team. But 13 tries, 10 points, in a group that could potentially be decided by bonus points, were the Ireland-French game to end in a draw, for example. You couldn't really ask for much more than what they have now. Um, there's a lot of talk around the World Cup that Stuart Lancaster, the England coach, and we will get to England in more detail in a moment, that he doesn't know his best team. Could you say maybe that's the, the same with Joe Schmidt? Because uh, watching Matt Williams on TV3 last night after the game, he seemed to cast doubt over Jared Payne and his form. Yeah, Jared Payne came up in the press conference this morning in the print section of it. Uh, Tommy Bow was being asked about him and there's no concern over Jared Payne within the Ireland camp. They firmly batted away some of the suggestions that Matt Williams made on television that Jared Payne wasn't good enough to be playing in that outside centre role. Uh, the consensus in the stadium yesterday was very much at odds with what seems to be those of the pundits because they felt that Jared Payne had a very good game, that he's extremely solid. Tommy Bow said he likes playing outside the Ulster centre and that he thinks... Anytime he's playing in an Ireland team, it's an Ireland team that's enhanced by his presence. In terms of knowing his best team, I think Joe Schmidt, unlike Lancaster, knows his best players in crucial positions. His halfbacks nailed on. Conor Murray, 
and Jonathan Sexton. I think his centre pairing is nailed on. It provided Henshaw's fit with Jared Payne and Robbie Henshaw. Obviously, his captain is a far more experienced captain than... Rob Shaw, Paul O'Connell is up there with the greatest captains we've ever seen in international rugby. Henderson is going to play alongside him and his back row is very much nailed in as well, as is his front row. I think Joe Schmidt knows 13 of his starting 15 and the only potential issue could be in the back three, whether two from four goes. Dave Carney is probably nailed on in one of the wing positions. You would think Keith Durles will get the other one after how well he's played in the first two games, but they've got a lot of guys in form and Simon Zebo and in Tommy Bowe, Luke Fitzgerald as well. So he's got options in the back three, but it's in the key positions that Joe Schmidt firmly knows who his best side are, and that's very much at the opposite end of the spectrum when you're looking at Stuart Lancaster and the situation he's found himself in, particularly when he drops his fly half after the opening game. You're talking to us from the home of football in Wembley. They might be nervous in the home of rugby in Twickenham. England, it's more than possible they might make it past the pool stages. Now, as a man who's over there and who's following it, do you think that could possibly make a difference to this World Cup? Or do you think, look, if England go out, they go out, it actually won't make a difference to the World Cup itself? I certainly wouldn't say the World Cup would be damaged by the elimination of England at the pool stage, but it's very much enhanced to always, no matter what the tournament and no matter what the code or sport, if the host nation goes deep into the tournament, it makes a massive difference. I remember the World Cup in 2010 when South Africa went out in the group stages as we would have expected in the FIFA World Cup, and it certainly didn't do the tournament any favours. It keeps the interest of the uh, English people, the local people, very much at full tilt for as long as their side are still in it. So I do think the World Cup will be improved if England hang around. It certainly won't be degraded, though, if England go out, because such is the level of interest being. If you're getting 90,000 people at an Ireland-Romania pool game, it probably in some ways doesn't really matter if England are in it or not. From the point of view as to whether or not they will stay in it, the odds are that they will. That If you ask the bookmakers now, that could be some patriotic betting from the England rugby supporters. They're still 6-4 to four on to make it through the pool. And they would feel that if they beat Australia, they will make it. But that is a huge ask, particularly psychologically where they're coming from now after that awful final quarter on Saturday night. They really just must be on the floor emotionally after what went on in that final 20 minutes. And it'll take a huge effort from Rob Shaw and the backroom team and the coaching staff to pick them up for this Australian game. The game could be decided, the pool will be decided and that one, Wales could well get through regardless of how they get on against Australia, assuming they beat Fiji on Thursday night. So all per- possible permutations of that pool, they're all very still possible, but England are the side that have the catching up to do. OK, Dave McIntyre, thanks for joining us from London. No problem, Oshin. Ladies football now in the triple header of TG Cahar All-Ireland Finals at Crow Park. Loud and Waterford took the junior and intermediate titles beating Scotland and Kildare respectively in the finals. Uh, but the big question was, could Cork do it again against a very eager young Dublin team? We'll hear from Reds boss Eamon Ryan whose interview will give you an insight into what makes him a great manager. Now it's not what he says about himself but it's how he uh, actually kind of refers back to the loss against Kerry in the Munster final and how despite the fact that they actually won yesterday he's still not over it he's still annoyed about it uh, you'll also hear from Valerie Mulcahy who won her 10th All-Ireland and Rena Buckley who won her 16th Senior All-Ireland medal between uh, Camogie and Ladies Football uh, Dublin manager Greg McGonagall will also talk to us but first let's sample the atmosphere at Crow Park yesterday where 31,083 people turned up to make it the biggest attendance at a women's sporting event in Europe so far this year about to go there is Cork win it's five in a row Cork 12 points Dublin 10 points the final score Eamon congratulations thanks very much a hard fought win but you were the better team and deserved it fully 
Yeah, I suppose, yeah, but from from our point on the sideline, like, it was a dour game in the first half, and I suppose there had been so much talk about Dublin had got in people from America, and they had a big backroom team, and, you know, we knew it was going to be a battle, and we were happy enough in half time, you know, we had kicked a lot of bad wides, but I think that was down to Dublin as much as us. I think then we probably got lucky in the sense that we scored a few frees early. Now, they were very good frees by Valerie, but I think they gave us a cushion for the inevitable Dublin rally, which could have culminated in a goal there near the end. I mean, as that, long as three minutes. <laughs> I think it was the longest three minutes in the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, it looked one of those days where a goal was going to be inevitable. Yeah. You know, it was a great testament to the lads that they, they worked so hard and blocked and funneled back and then broke to get an insurance point even, you know. You defended the numbers, but you attacked the numbers as well. It was like real end-to-end stuff. At uh, times yeah. It was like watching basketball. But, I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about defensive play, like, and it annoys me, really, to be true, because, like, the field is, are the same dimensions as 130 years ago. They're the same number of players playing. The players are three or four times fitter than we were long ago. So it's inevitable there's going to be clusters. It's also inevitable that if a player loses the ball 50 yards down the field and he's hopping out of his trousers, what's he going to do? He's not going to sit down the grass. He's going to run the 50 yards back. Yeah. Four other players have the same idea. So I think it's it's too simplistic to say the standard has gone down. Standard of fitness has gone through the room. So possibly, possibly if they reduce the number of players or get bigger fields, yeah. you'll have this great... But that's not... That's, in the sky like yeah. you know what about today in your team 10 all 10 Irelands out of 11 5 in a row you've got some incredibly talented individuals in there and you've got some people who, who you know who have won 16 all Irelands between Camogie and ladies football how difficult is that though to get your game plan together when you've got players who've got so many other teams pulling out of them it's great but it can be hard to manage I imagine or can be, you know uh, it can make things maybe a bit difficult I suppose I suppose the biggest thing we have going for us is that we have a very genuine players hard working honest I mean, they're listening to a fellow who could be their grandfather for the last 10 or 11 years, but they would never give any indication that the drills were boring or that I was old-fashioned. But even more importantly, that when we do fall, like we did in Mallow, we'll bang, they never throw the blame over on us and start saying, ah, they're too older. If we didn't know for would a new plan, like, they never have any of that. They just accept that you're doing your best. And they're reciprocating kind, and I think that is the secret, that they know we're genuine and they try to act accordingly, and I think that's the secret, it does a secret. Was that Munster final the biggest learning for this team this year? I mean, is that, would you be here if it wasn't for that? It's the only thing I remember after this year. (laughs) I just can't get over how bad we were like. But but did that have a positive spin in the end? Because you're All-Ireland champions now, maybe you learned from it, or maybe it gave girls extra motivation, whatever. Definitely we learned, but I mean, that doesn't still mean make up for throwing away a Munster Cup like, like if we had if we had been competitive I mean at one stage Kerry put 33 passes together yeah. you know that's unforgivable like you know uh, if we had been beaten by a point or two say La Vie you'd, 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 you'd accept that but we weren't annihilated like you know we were ashamed really because I can remember a selected torrent to be about six or seven minutes to go and say we're ashamed, he says, this is awful, you know. Is that what, what makes you the manager you are and this team the manager, or the, the, the team oh, they are? Because I, I you've know. just won the All-Ireland, you actually beat the team who beat you in the Munster final on the way, and still you're going on about it, like, you know, it was a big disappointment, which I'm sure yeah, it was, but you're All-Ireland champions. But it's still a huge disappointment. Yeah. We, play, 
We trained well the Wednesday before and we trained brilliantly yeah. the Wednesday after and we flopped it totally. Yeah. So I have to take some of the blame for that. Yeah. I got caught up on the Camogie versus Glady football yeah. silliness. Yeah. And I think it might have transmitted to the team and I think some of the team also. Yeah. And maybe there was an element of complacency, but it's very seldom, like, you know, so I don't know. No complacency today, a great performance. No, it was a good performance, yeah, it was. We're delighted. Greg, hard luck. He lost by only two. He had a chance maybe at the end to win it, but I suppose overall, you can't argue maybe that the better team won. Yeah, well, obviously, I think on any given day, if the team that wins usually in the majority of sports is the best team, but at the same time, I'm very proud of our players. We had six starters from last year's team that played in the all Ireland final, so they come up against a team that were going for 10 in a row, it showed massive courage from our players and I couldn't be more proud that our players went, had a game plan, we stuck to the game plan, they followed the process out and obviously we came up short in the day and that's all we can say. Five points apiece at the break, the second half I suppose that the levels of intensity couldn't possibly be repeated for the second 30 as there was in the first. How did you try and handle the fact that Cork always had players back but somehow still managed to get the scores? Yeah, well, we had probably been the same. You know, I think they kicked four points in the first ten minutes. Like we had four, we dropped two short and kicked two wide. So, from our point, is I, I would say it would, I would believe it was a very, very 50-50 game. And I think Cork were maybe holding on towards the end. We, I think there was a couple of frees. You know, and obviously I think the tackle free count was 24 against Cork, 14 against us. So, you know, maybe therein lies the tale as well. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, maybe there was about a minute and a half left. You got a free, but then. The referee turned it around and gave it to Cork. Can, can you explain to me what that situation was and what you made of it? I think it was a blue for being too short of a free kick, but yeah. our problem was was when he gave us the free to yellow card, you know, it was a bit maybe like the, the men's game last week. You know, a yellow card took 45 seconds off the clock. You know, and I, in that stage, it's maybe ladies' football. I don't know. Obviously, it's not in the rules at the minute, but it's definitely the system's a great clock. But when that stage is a yellow card, sort of runs the clock down on you. I know it's a, it's a, it's tough right now because you've just been beaten by one of the best teams to ever grace any sport in Ireland. But a lot of young players in this Dublin team, so there's no doubt you can come back. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know that's what we talked about is about. Any day, any day, the Dublin girls go out, be it in a, a league game, be it in a under 21s or whatever. We ask them to be the best that they can be, and if they do that, then you know we can ask no more as a management team. And I think the day the girls emptied themselves out there, and we're very proud of them as a management team. Greg, hard luck today. Grant, no problem. Thank you. Valerie Mulcahy, congratulations on All Ireland number 10. That was a hard fought one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we expected that. It was uh, nearly score for score, and. Uh, just very happy to be on the right side of it and you know uh, a great into a great year five all at the break um talk to me about what was said at half time because you started the second half extremely well did we yeah uh, um we are kind of a second half team and uh we just tend to you know be honest with each other and, and Jer spoke she got injured and um you know she's very emotional and and she spoke very well and uh we just knew there was 30 hard minutes there to be um to play really hard, to train, to sorry, to um, work really hard yeah. and just gradually break them down. You used the ball extremely well. There was times where you got in their kind of defensive zone. They had superior numbers, but you took the right options. You recycled. You worked it, and sometimes you got freeze, which you put over. Sometimes, once or twice, you, you got shot selections right. Emer Scally came in, kicked a, a beautiful point. Yeah, um, it, it was always going to be tough because they had so many back, and it was very hard to break down. And I suppose they were trying not to concede goals, but um, yeah, we did manage to pick off the points and and win, earn some frees and then put, put them over. Tell me about the last minute of that game, a real scramble from Dublin, push, try and get a, try to get a goal chance, bodies on the yeah, line, two bodies in the way, the whole lot. It's always dangerous when you're two points up because, you know, the team have to go for a goal, really, and um, 
the the backs did really well and uh, I think we all knew what was required to try and keep the ball but that was hard to do and uh, they had a chance at the end but they kicked it a bit too short like it was too far away from goal and our girls did as they always do they, they drove out with the ball And how does this compare? I mean, last year you, you looked like you were gone and then at last... Uh, 15 minute scramble is what pulled it out of the fire yeah. this year you looked in control for almost the entire game are, are they kind of different? Uh, well we weren't going to let what happened last year uh, happen again uh, you know we were we had a poor start last year and we, we kind of dug ourselves into a hole so we had a lot of work to do last year and we were adamant that we couldn't let ourselves in that position because that kind of thing doesn't happen twice you don't get back well it, we, we have done that twice actually but you know it's it's a very tough task and we needed to be um, there are thereabouts. Yeah. Marina Buckley, I'm not sure how the title sits with you. Now, you're a humble person, but you're a legend. <laughs> 16 All Ireland. That, that, that fact, that title is indisputable. Yeah, look, come here. I suppose I'm playing on a team sport. You know, I, I've just been very lucky. I suppose I, I was born the right year. You know, um, you know, I, I've, I've come along. I've been blessed to have such such a, a great bunch of girls coming along with me. And you know, some people are filtering away, and there's great great girls coming through as well. So look, we're just blessed to be part of such a fantastic group. And you know, we we, lo- we love our club and we love our football. And I, geez, I've gotten such enjoyment over the last number of years. And we'll enjoy today and we'll enjoy tonight. And sure, it's great. It, it kind of reminds me of the, the, the Kerry guys of the 70s and 80s and the Kilkenny guys of now because there's so many of you because there's such a great bunch of players because they are counties that crave this success and kind of are disappointed if they don't get it and that's a relatively recent thing for the Cork ladies because up until Eamon's appointment they hadn't actually won in All-Ireland it's just become the norm is that how it's, it seems to you that you're able to, to, to make it such a normal thing? Um, I, I suppose I think I think Eamon is a fierce humble person you know he's very very humble altogether so I mean at the start of the year we don't go talking about our you know our huge ambitions for the year you know we just work away work hard during the year we take every league game as it comes and you know we don't hype up anything too much you know even today today wasn't hyped up a whole pile either you know it was all the main thing is that, you know the work rate was reiterated and you know he'd give you a bit of confidence and um, I suppose at this stage I suppose we do have kind of high enough standards but that's said within ourselves you know with standards within training you know and you know there's there, I don't know I don't know what the secret is to it but you know we just love playing football we love the gang that we're with and we're just absolutely blessed and we're delighted to, to be here it's, it's just a huge honour and just a couple of weeks ago you won a camogie title tell me about the gap between now and then I mean how soon were you back in training how did you kind of come back down from that high to to get back into preparation for another All-Ireland final yeah I suppose we were delighted with the win in Camogie because we weren't so sure at the start of the year how that would go um, so we we training Wednesday nights so we went back training Wednesday and we trained Friday and Sunday we trained again Wednesday so kind of by Tuesday it was kind of back to work Tuesday and back to normal yeah. now let's talk about today's game uh, 12 points to 10 the final score but you used the ball extremely smartly especially in the second half they had superior numbers in their back line but yeah. you seemed to be able to work it in get the freeze get the scores how did you do that yeah I suppose um, yeah I don't know did we work I think we probably took a few shots probably that weren't probably on as such as well um, but I think uh, you know the freeze were probably crucial you know people taking on the ball and being strong enough to hold on to it and, and win a free they were probably crucial um, I think Eamor Skelly came on she got a very good point and you know like even the few points we got in the first half you know every, you know Especially this, every every point counts, you know, and 
So I, I, I don't know how, I don't, I'm not sure, we, you know, Eamon wouldn't be massive men on tactics really as such, you know, it's more about, you know, developing a player so that you can uh, figure out what to do yourself when you're in the position and look, things just worked out today, the next day they mightn't work out, we're happy enough that they worked out today. You all look very comfortable on the ball, was that the key? Ah yeah, that's a massive thing, you know, you, you must be comfortable on the ball, you know, um, and you must try and make the right decisions. You know, I made a few bad decisions, a lot of people made a few bad decisions today, but like, you're always trying to look for the ball again and try and make a right decision the next time. You know, sport is like life, you know, you're going to make mistakes, but if you react okay to them, you know, you'll, you'll be okay in general. Rina, congratulations. Thanks, Go on and join. Thanks very much. Louise Galvin and Kerry, we are watching a wonderful team celebrate their 10th All-Ireland Final in 11 seasons, five in a row, Cork beat Dublin 12-10, and they're fully deserving of their victory today. Yeah, in fairness to Dublin, they really put her up to court today, but they're just such a resilient side. Once they got their nose in front just after half-time, you know, they, they don't really relinquish their leads very easily, and they just kept it at one, two, three points ahead. So even though Dublin kept coming back at them, they're just, they show such resilience, and Valerie Mulcahy was running on the freeze, and, you know, it's their 10th victory 11 years to herself, really. They just know how to win, don't they? I mean, when they got up to the Dublin 20-metre line, even though Dublin had superior numbers, because Cork had dropped players back they were just really patient with the ball they went backwards they went side to side then they'd either pop it over by getting a player in space somehow or they'd draw free and Valerie Mulcahy would boot it over yeah um, both teams played a similar t- type of game so it meant really a lot of um, fast football in the middle of the pitch but once I came up to the scoring zone often I had to be quite patient and Dublin just showed that bit more uh, composure at the end of the day a bit more than the Dublin forwards um, to get the vital scores at the important times of the game yeah. Eamon Ryan is being interviewed on the side of the pitch as we speak that's now 29 major titles out of a possible 34 I mean that is you can't sum up in words how brilliant that is for him I mean that's a sum of achievement absolutely he's probably the most successful team manager in history um, and unlikely possibly to be surpassed at all um, he just seems to get the most out of his team and even last year in particular I know it's, it's being referenced a lot but it was just such a phenomenal comeback um, and the way the, the juggernaut is going it's, it's just keeps going so they, they have players coming through like today they brought on Neymar Scali who's a real shining light for the future and there's no sign of it stopping yet really there are some good teams coming through like yourselves most are champions this year absolutely um, we had a good victory over Cork in the Munster final um, nine points but we have to do it you know when it really matters in all September likewise Galway were reinforced that emerged this year um, as well as Monaghan, Donegal, Armagh, North um, and of course Dublin will be back against their very young team on the back of back-to-back uh, one victories so you know the thing about ladies getting football is it's quite competitive in the next three or four teams beneath court but they really need to be usurped and you know to be the best team to beat the best and fair play to them well that's 2016 as for 2015 Cork winners again they've beaten Dublin by 12 points to 10 Louise Galvin thank you very much thanks Oshie reaction from the Cork and Dublin camps following yesterday's All-Ireland Ladies Football Final in Crow Park in there you heard from Rena Buckley Valerie Mulcahy Greg McGonagall the manager of Dublin and Eamon Ryan the manager of of Cork. The club championships heating up nicely with some county finals played this weekend in football. Glencar Manor Hamilton and Mohill will have to replay their Leitrim final. While in Westmead, Castle Daly won their semi final against Tyrrell's Pass. 18 points to 112 the final score. They have reached the decider. 
for the first time since 2008. Former Galway footballer John Donlan is in charge of Castle Daly and he told Midlands 103 how proud he is of his players despite the fact that they were completely written off by some quarters ahead of this game. Look at it's the smallest senior club in Westmeath and it's good while since we've been here on county final day but uh, you know as I said to Paul earlier on, like you know, we set out our stall at the start of the year. There's definitely an awful lot of the, the so-called experts around Westmead and other people that they didn't give us any respect. Yeah, you know, yeah. I hope after today we do have a bit of respect. And uh, as I said to Paul earlier on, you know, from what I know and what I've seen in Westmead, there's no reason why we don't have four or five of these Castellani guys wearing Westmead jerseys next year. Indeed, so and you look forward to the second semi-final on now. No preference, I suppose, who you'll play. Look at. I'm sure now all the experts, Paddy Powers and Boyle Sports, they'll, they'll get it all right again the next day. We'll all have us at 4 to 1 outsiders, and you know, it'll be, uh, I suppose, the winner of this game, will be, they'll probably give them the cup after today. No, I don't think so. Well done, John. Cheers. So that's John Donlan, formerly of Galway, now the manager of Castle Daly. He spoke to Midlands 103 about their win in the county semi final against Tyrrell's Pass. Uh, he's trying to play up the underdogs tag, isn't he? Uh, should be an interesting game in two weeks against St. Lomans. This is the Rewind on News Talk. We'll stick with GA but move to hurling and leash clock. Balakulla won a third senior title in seven years, beating Camros 20 points to 114, while in Kerry, Kilmoyley beat St. Brendan's 315 to 113. Aurorio Cushendall captured the title in Antrim, while Ballycran won in Down. Let's hear now from clock Balakulla boss Kevin Martin on their 20 points to 114 win over Camros. We had a really, really good second half and uh, you know the boys proved again that they're worthy, they're worthy champions and they were very, very good, you know. Were you, were you worried at half time you were six points down? Yeah, you know, I mean, okay, we were after playing against a bit of a breeze and, you know, there was a bit of a breeze there and the boys were kind of sitting back and they weren't really taking the game to Camros, you know. Um, you know, but we were a bit worried we just had to get themselves going. In fairness, they got themselves going at half time and, you know, the roar of the tunnel coming out and the really men business after that and the show it too. Yeah, because Commerce, apart from the win, Commerce had brought a fierce intensity to the game. Yeah, but that's, that's their game. That's what they do. They're, they're very, very good. They've square heart, as I said before, you know. They've, they've huge intensity and there's some nice hurlers as well. And, you know, if you can if you can match their intensity and match their heart, you know, you have a chance. You have a chance. What a performance from the captain, Darren Maher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Darren was touching goal would even make it today, mm. you know. You know, he, he um, burst a blood vest in the leg and... He hadn't trained. He hadn't trained really up until, say, Friday night, and we, we, you know, he had to kind of go through his own kind of fitness test to see would he make it. And uh, but, like as I said before, I addressed him before I came out. That that man has had to put in a massive effort from the start of the year. I'd say of all the people in the panel, you know, he's really, really trained very hard, got himself into super shape, and he's a he's a huge leader, and I'm thrilled for him. Absolutely outstanding, and of course in the forwards, then uh, Willie got going in the second half, and Picky I think ended up with something like eleven or twelve points. Yeah, I mean in fairness to Picky, Picky kept us kept us in it in the first half. He kept the scoreboard ticking over, you know. He scored six points the last day, you know, and he's, he he really came to the fore. Willie Willie uh, Willie Highland picked it up in the second half, he scored two or three points in a row, you know, great lift to the team and really drove it on, you know. And they're, they're the stalwarts of our team in, 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 in the forward line, and it, it, those guys have to perform for us to win, you know, and. Um, you know, in fairness to them, they, they stood up to them when they were asked. You can see what this means to a little village like Clapparacolla now, and there's two villages. <laughs> I, like, I mean, it's, it's a small community, really, you know, and it's, it's as I said before, it's a religion up there, you know, they, they just live for their hurling and um, they put their, their, their heart and soul into it, and I'm just delighted for the whole parish. Delighted for them. Well, it's a hundred years since Ballygee and the team in the parish won the All Ireland, you know, you're into the club championship now, Wexford champions, <laughs> you know, how far can you go? Oh, listen, <laughs> we, 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 we'll try and get over.
over this week first and we'll see after that you know but, you know, yeah, we'll, get, we'll knuckle down after we'll give the boys a week off and we'll knuckle down after that and um, so listen we'll see where it takes us congratulations thanks very much cheers this is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Kevin Martin speaking to Midlands 103 about their win in the Leash County Final we mentioned Kilmoney beat St Brendan's 315 to 113 in the Kerry decider after the game Michael Halloran of Radio Kerry caught up with former Kilmoney manager Anthony Daly and ex-Kerry star Shane Brick I'm talking about two foreigners um <laughs> Daily, you were with uh, Kilmoney for a few years, but this is especially today for them. Yeah, uh, four, four great years with the lads, and uh, you know, just great friends for life down here. And uh, yeah, delighted for them. You know, I know, I know how much this meant, and uh, after last year as well, like the hurt of last year, so crucial, crucial to get back on top and uh, fair play, a great victory, I think. Would it be fair to say, Shane Brick, that hurling won today because Kilmiley were a better hurling team, I thought? Well, Kilmiley played exceptional hurling today, you know, they switched ball and, and uh, hit ball into space and, and uh, Daniel Collins and those lads up front, they've super skill-like and, uh, yeah, they were outstanding today. Any regrets about leaving? Ah, sure, listen, it was a, a difficult decision, you know, but uh, thanks for that one. <laughs> um, but if, I met him before the game, I gave regrets, there was loads of them, I'd say, <laughs> sure. you never look back, never look back. <laughs> never look back. Ah, exactly, look, I'm absolutely thrilled for the lads, like, you know, I hurled them all my life and I'm always, always a Kilmiley man. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic day and uh, it's a lot harder being a, being a supporter and being a player, I'll say that much. Shane, I suppose looking back is one thing, but looking forward, this team to me looked like a team that could challenge in uh, in uh, that's Christopher Port of you could uh, could challenge in Munster. Ah, oh, for sure. Like Kilmiley will 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 get back training now after a few days of celebration, and they'll be they'll be looking ahead to to Munster. Like you know, so uh, we'll you know we'll be supporting them all the way. Would you agree? Yeah, I think they're playing the Clare Champions uh, Intermediate. That's so, why I asked the question. Yeah, a, a bit of farm there. I don't know. I think there was a bit of a melee up there today in the, in the semi final, but. Uh, uh, sure, if Wolf Tones win Clare, they'd be a good team. Like they'd be nearly, you know, there was everyone was shocked last year they went down. But this is a nice, young, skillful team now. There's a there's a nice bit of, and you know, from talking to the likes of Brendan Mack all year, you know, that was the word I was getting that they were good and they were young, and yet you still have the likes of McCarthy and uh, and uh, Regan, uh, Regan and Ian, and a few more from the seven club now we call them seven medals. But uh, you know, like you, there's a nice blend there and. That was obviously ambition, wasn't it? We, oh, yeah. When I was here trying to get to Crow Park, it would have been a dream. And we came close, but we didn't get there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, 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 very, I'm very kind of disappointed, Shane, that he's dressed down a bit today for the trip to Kerry Lake. Dressed down, like you think at least he'd, he'd put on a tie anyway. It's, it's yeah. helped, like, you know, coming down on the, the showpiece occasion. Like, and which, a pair you know, of jeans. What can you do, like, yeah? No. What can you do? It's I a suppose. break from Henry and Don Logue. <laughs> Les, thank you very much. He's looking small, so Shay, all year, I suppose, you know. <laughs> Anthony Daly and Shane Brick speaking to Radio Kerry, having the crack as always. Uh, this is the Rewind on News Talk. Former Ireland and Chelsea fullback Paddy Mulligan joins us now. And Paddy, we'll talk about the Premier League, the Champions League, and the Electricity League in a moment. But first, it does finally look like we're coming to the end of the Jack Grealish saga and whoever he decided to play for England or Ireland and it does look like it's going to be England or it is England are you glad it's over now? Hallelujah happy days I, I, I didn't want him in an Irish jersey anyway I, I, have, I feel that if you represent a country at underage level you can't be changing over you've got to have your loyalty someplace along the line no loyalties there and it was, it was, it was, it's been obvious for quite some time when he wasn't coming for the Republic. He was certainly going to go to England. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in any way uh, distressed about it. I've seen him play quite a few times and I'm not impressed by him. I saw him as recently. Not impressed? No, not impressed. Not but everybody's personality no. and how he's handled this along with his dad. No, forget about that. Forget about that. 
on the pitch I'm talking about that's where he has to produce has not produced for Villa on, on, a, on a regular basis saw him against Leicester City uh, two weeks back got a goal smashing goal on the periphery for the rest of the game Never. Is that because he's young or is that no. just the kind of player he is? That's the type of player that he is and, and that's the type of player. He's not, going to, he's not going to assert himself. He's not going to demand the ball. He's not going to be a commanding figure because that must be the way that his personality is. But for me, no. He played reason, reasonably well only yeah. against Liverpool in a cup semi-final when Liverpool were atrocious and still are atrocious. So I, I, I don't put any stock into that performance at all because he was he was found wanting in the cup yeah. final on the biggest. I know he's only a young lad, but he's got he's got an awful an awful lot to learn. And is he prepared to learn? That's the next question. But I'm 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 happy that he's not uh, uh, coming to the Republic of Ireland. Are we seeing with this whole situation what you're saying on the pitch and and what you don't think makes him good enough? The fact that. On the pitcher saying he doesn't demand the ball, he doesn't take charge, he's not a leader, even though he's a kid. Are we seeing with this situation those traits? Because at no stage did he ever come out and say, right, this is what's happening. I'm not listening to my dad. I'm not listening to my agent. I'm not listening to anyone. Tim yeah. Sherwood has said, I don't want to be involved. You get the feeling he'd rather he play for England and Villa would rather that because it makes him worth more. But that is a different subject. Even though he's a kid yeah. and there's a lot of pressure on him and in some ways I do feel bad for him. Are we seeing... His personality reflected. In that's because he, that, that's because he can't make a make a decision, and he can't take hold of the game, and he can't take hold of his own but is that his, his own mean, life. You must have seen to, this with guys. Yes, but what, with. yeah, but I mean, we we, <laughs> we were all nineteen years of age at, at at one point in our lives, and we had decisions to make, and we made the decisions. Yes, we consulted uh, with parents or with friends, but you, at the end of the day, you made your decision. Now. I don't know how much of a decision he's making. He certainly makes very, very few decisions on the football pitch and that's really all I'm interested in. When he, when he doesn't make decisions on the football pitch, you'll be very, very concerned about him off the pitch uh, to, when, when he has to make a major decision and he had to make a, a major decision be it the Republic of Ireland or be it England and as far as I'm concerned, he failed to make that He made because it took him too long. Yes, he's gone to England now but it took him too long to go and make it. He knew in his heart of hearts that he was going to go to England because of all the razzmatazz about England. The agent probably got into his head. If, if, is his father the agent, you know? No, it's Gareth no. Bale's agent is working with him. Right, so he probably got into his head that, that he's going to make a fortune now. But he'll, he'll only make a fortune if he produces on the pitch. Yep. And, and that's the big question, right? Can he produce on a regular basis? Can he, will, he, will, he, will we be talking about Jack Grealish being a star player in 10 years' time? I doubt it very much. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and off the ball is here. Raf, Martin O'Neill probably did want him for Ireland. As a fan, I have to say I would disagree with Paddy. I wanted him because you want the best players. Uh, but do you think Martin O'Neill will be kind of relieved that this is all done and dusted and it's a question he can stop answering? And a yeah, exactly. It's something that's been cropping up, I'd say, in pretty much every press conference since uh, since kind of Grealish emerged as a potential player for us. So, look, it's better. It's just, it's it's out of our heads. It's out of Martin O'Neill's head. He can actually plan without having to think about whether he can fit Grealish into his plans in the future or not. So, in that sense, I suppose, it is a, it is a positive. On the flip side, <laughs> Grealish, I suppose, he offers something a little bit different. Now, I know you were saying he doesn't take hold of a game, but he does have skills that are sometimes kind of lacking in some of the other midfield players we five, do have. He has five-a-side skills, Raph, in, yeah. in my estimation, in so much that I think it was Caitlin Clark and Tim Sherwood saying, oh, he does amazing things uh, in, in training. You I've seen, that, but you I've seen lots of players, of players do amazing yeah. things in training and they couldn't play on a Saturday afternoon. And they couldn't play on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. And that's, where you, that's, 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 the, that, that's the starting point. You've got to produce on Saturday. By all means, do your stuff in training. 
you know, have all your tricks and training, but you better start producing on a Saturday. And in my eyes, he, he, he's not and he has not. Did you ever play with a guy who was... Tons of them. And what, what Tons was the, of them. What was the common reason Just why? Just hadn't, hadn't got the makeup. Mentality, the mentality wasn't there. So they could train they were great because... We're, and, and, and there was no pressure. In training on, on, uh, with nobody watching you, there's no pressure. You can make as many mistakes as you like. No pressure. But on the, on, the, on the Saturday or on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, the pressure is on. There's 40,000 people in, in, in screaming, home fans or, or, or away fans, and you've got to go and produce. You can't afford to make... We all made, made mistakes on, on, on big nights, but you can't afford to make too many. Yeah. Talking about pressure, Manchester City under a bit of pressure going into their Champions League tie... At this week, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, a four-one loss to Spurs on Saturday. Yes, and I certainly uh, didn't see City losing four-one to Spurs. Haven't watched Spurs uh, a few times this season, and as recently as last when uh, uh, during the week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, they played they played Arsenal, North London derby. It doesn't matter what team you play; it's a North London derby, and you expect an awful lot more. And Spurs did it, just didn't show up. And for long periods of the game on on Saturday, they didn't show up, and then they come out winning winning four-one. Uh, due to, to, to City just uh, falling asleep and going off the boil completely. Yes, they were down Silva. Yes, they were down Zabaleta. Yes, they were down company. And then, yeah, yeah, Toure got injured, perhaps, in the first half. Didn't show up for the second half. And and uh, Spurs got two uh, two goals that, that were clearly offside. City got their goal that was, again, clearly offside. How the officials missed them, I'll never know. But however they've missed them, Spurs came back, uh, played reasonably well in the second half, um, got the lead, and and then away they go and, and and City just just never 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 showed up in the second half. They were very very poor in the second half. They lost they lost all shape and balance and discipline in their in their team. Yeah, and and very lucky. Was just only on that one. as well. I mean, they've they've been quite brittle ever since they lost the Juventus a couple of weeks back. And I guess that must be a bit of a concern that one bad result can almost throw you know the momentum they had built completely out the window. Yeah. And Juventus aren't setting the world uh, no that they're on actually, fire in the, yeah. in the Italian league either. <laughs> no. no, I think they I think they lost the weekend. Yeah, they lost again. You no, know, yeah. so they're they're no great shakes. But they knew how to set they, they 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 knew how to set up against Manchester City, and Manchester City were caught yeah. yet yet again in Europe. And that's that's a that's a huge concern for the for the for the Premier League because you United losing, you City losing, you Arsenal losing, you Chelsea only being the only winners, and they beat a team from 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 Israel that uh, are, are, the, are the best team in the in the world. So it was a handy one for for uh, for Mourinho to go and yeah. take care of. Yeah, Napoli beating Juventus two one in Syria, as you alluded to there. Uh, talk to me about Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers, Raf, made some interesting comments after this game that there was a a conspiracy against them that there was there was. You know, social media wasn't helping them, and that uh, former former players and, and and all that are kind of getting on top of him. And he doesn't like it, but that's the nature of the job. He's a manager of one of the biggest clubs in, in the world. In other words, he's yeah. been criticised for bad results. Yeah, and because I mean, they've been the, getting bad results. The results speak for them, speak for themselves. Like you look at the run at the end of last season, and like losing six one to Stoke, which okay, it was final day, but still, it's a. Uh, it's still a 6-1 defeat. You look at the run yeah. all, all of last season except from between I think it was uh, uh, January and March. Yeah. When, when they, they were when they, when they put, And they were absolutely dreadful. Yeah. yeah. No, well look, criticism is part of the job. I mean, Arsene Wenger puts up with it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't enjoy like the whole social media aspect of it as well. But then again, I'm not, I don't think he's on, tw- he's obviously not on Twitter or anything like that. So he's not really looking at it. The thing is, you just get on with your job and you try the best you can. There's nothing you can do about the social media element because there's about a billion people on Twitter and they've all got their opinions. You can't influence that at all apart from one aspect, which is the results, really. Um, and just on that as well, I, I guess you saw the Aston Villa match. 
if that early goal hadn't gone in, I'm not sure the overall performance would have been that impressive from a Liverpool no, perspective. No, 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 indeed. And 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 uh, thank God that Sturridge uh, was back for yeah. how long he's back for. We don't know. He, he could be gone again next week uh, with with the in, with, with history of injuries uh, down down the years. But um, thank God that he was back anyway to get the two goals and and, and two two smashing goals. But Liverpool are not anyway convincing. Um, he's there three years, and. He, he, he still can't get a team to defend and to, and to defend correctly. I mean, he had Chan, uh, uh, Chan thinks that defending on the six-yard box is to let his man go, uh, get his head and stick the ball in the back net for a tap in. He has him. One second he has him. He's in the right position. Then the next second he's lost him. How, how any defender can lose a man in the six-yard box is just absolutely beyond me. And, and, and he's got to work on that. James Miller has come out now with, with, with some stuff uh, in, in the last day or so saying that uh, Rodgers is a great coach and uh, he leaves no stone unturned to explain everything to the players and show the players where they're going wrong well I'm sorry I don't buy it because if he was doing that they wouldn't be making the stupid mistakes that they're making mm-hmm. and they've been doing this now for three years I mean they, they, they can forget about the Chelsea game uh, the season before last when they, when they, when they uh, lost 2-0 at Anfield when they were, had a chance of winning the league but they conceded 51 goals but he thought because he had Suarez that Ash will get they'll get two and we'll get three but it doesn't always work out like that. So he, he, he's, got to, he's got to readjust himself and set aside. I, I'm not so sure he knows what he wants because the yeah. teams that he picks, one minute, one minute it, 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 it's, I think the, it's, it's a 4-3-3. Three, three. The yeah. next minute it's a 4-4-2. Four, four, uh, this is flexibility. Saying, no, that's not flexibility. That's not knowing what you want. Yeah, the example is he always talks about his philosophy. Uh, and the three project. or four years on, yeah. we're not. Nobody's quite sure what that philosophy. So what's really the philosophy? Is, yeah, the philosophy I, is that the philosophy, as far, as far as I'm concerned, is to go and win matches. Yeah, it's a, it's as simple and basic as that. And unless he starts winning matches on a on, on a on a continuous basis, he's gonna get he's gonna get this flank. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan, and and it's it's dreadful the way the club has gone. Not just this year, but for the past uh, since 1994, the club has been a shambles. Yeah. Now, with with one or two little flurries that Benitez should have won the league uh, back about six years back when they lost it by two points. Um, Rogers could have won the league, but didn't, and could have and would have. Go and do it. You've got an opportunity to go and do it. Go and do it. And you want to, you want to get it. You want to get his players sorted. If he's not buying the players, he should walk. Yeah. If it's a committee that's buying the players, let the committee off. Go on. You go and run the whole club. I'm out of here. In that case, then you can't do that. Would Would you advise a Jurgen Klopp, for example, to take that job? If, well, well, not with the way the, with the way it's structured as it is now. No, but Jurgen, well, if, see, you have to yeah. you have you have to question the Fenway Group and all of this as well, um, because the Boston Red Sox, whom they own as well, are in the very same boat as Liverpool are. Boston Red Sox have done nothing in the past four years, haven't won the World Series uh, about five years back. Now they've done nothing in the past four years. Fast forward to Liverpool. The very same thing. They've done nothing. They came in in 2010 promising the sun, moon and stars and all people are getting is brain damage. No more, no less. Yeah. So until until that's sorted out and they, and they are going in the right direction as regards a, a football club. There was this film out that, what, what that money ball thing, I think it's on that principle yeah. that, that the Fenway group operate. A very strange well, they principle. Well, they actually tried to recruit the man who effectively invented that, Billy Bean, and they couldn't. Yeah. The film was based on a book. Yeah. Um, and Billy Bean was played by, by Brad Pitt. And that's unimportant. Paddy, before yeah. we let you go, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so all, where that was all, going. All, all my Fenway group with the Boston Red Sox is on a part. That's good enough for me. I, you know what, I should clarify. I should clarify. I should clarify. In the movie, they tried to hire Billy Bean and they didn't. Uh, they may have done since, but I don't follow baseball, so I don't know. So you yeah. guys are far more qualified to tell me. Uh, anyway, as you say, even if they have hired him, they've done. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, matter who they hire. The last couple of years, right? Uh, talking about big hitters, Dundalk in the SSE Electricity League. Another uh, win over the weekend, coming yeah. from behind to beat Limerick. And tell with another two goals. Yeah, uh, magnificent, Mag- absolutely magnificent. Then uh, uh, Cork, then uh, Derry did did, did Dundalk a favour yeah. by taking the two points off off Cork in in, uh, in Turners Cross on Friday evening. So it's it's look at it. Dundalk so, are running away. With ah, listen, that, and well deserved. Yeah, well done, David Kenny and the Dundalk lads. Yeah. Wexford Utes coming Wexford up. Wexford Utes as, well. as well, getting up to the Premiership. Brilliant, it's great fantastic. stuff. But great the stuff, lads down there. The league is because. Look, it's, it's pretty much a fait complete that Dundalk are going to win the league. Whatever about the Cup, they're still involved in that as well. They're playing in the semi-final and next weekend against Longford. But, but, what about this re- League of Ireland review? It's, it's going to be out, uh, I think, tomorrow, Tuesday, midday. We don't know exactly what's in it because, as I say, it's not out yet. But, what to you, as a man who's played in the league, who still follows it, who's who's been all around the world playing football, you've been in Greece, you've you've, you've managed there, you've played in England, you've, you've played in America. What is the biggest challenge to the league, what do they have to take on? They get to get people back in this in, in, in through the turnstiles. That's that's the biggest challenge. Have they got to? They've got to start upgrading an off lot of grounds because some of the grounds are still in the same condition as as they were back in the back in the sixties, seventies, and that's that can't be right. Talca Park, friends, but of course, I think that's going to be sold down. But even so, uh, they have to go go and get that right and get people back into to go and watch the games. I know it's a very difficult thing to do. But you, you know, play, the Dundalk player, all of the players in the league run deserve big crowds to, to go and to go and follow them and give them the support because then you'll get you're going to get better games if you've got an atmosphere in the ground. If you're playing in front of two or three hundred people, two or three hundred people don't don't care. You don't care. So you need you need the you need the bodies you know, do you back think in. That will happen. I would li- I would I would like to think it it, it it's very possible. Mm. I would like to think that that it would do. Because they've tried marketing campaigns, they've yeah. tried TV coverage, nothing. And they can't be they can't be playing three or four games in in, in Dublin on a Friday night. Yeah. Ju- uh, just for instance, sometimes you have a game over in UCD, have another game in Talk, another game in Damon, another game in Richmond Park, or you know you might have have three out of the four uh, uh, teams playing. Sure, that's that's yeah. taking fans away straight away. Just have the one game in Dublin on a Friday night, and 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 may the devil take the hindmost. Is there too many clubs in Dublin? Uh, perhaps that's another that's another yeah, thing just as well. on that point as well. I suppose. Let's talk of shells and bows amalgamating, wasn't there? I don't you've, got the die, you've got the die. Like it, realistically, yeah. it has to happen. Yeah, you've got the diehard supporters who, who have followed bows and shells all of their lives. But I'm not going there. What's and, the point in following a lost yeah. co- I know it's football and it's not logical. I know, but but I, I, that's the whole thing. They're not logical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even on that wider point, I guess, like I grew up in Leitrim, so I'm kind of in between Longford Town and Sligo Rovers, and I don't feel any real huge allegiance to either. I like yes. both, but nothing major, like, you know. There's a lot of counties out there that have have no real buy-in to the league at all. Like if you go to Kerry, there's no club there for like any soccer. And yet sport. soccer is very strong in Kerry. And it is, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, at, at, at junior level, yeah. soccer in Galway would be very strong. It's only now maybe they're getting their act together in, in Galway. Haven't had yeah. Merview and Salt till Devon and, and, and Galway United in the one league. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Yeah, something. and I mean, you look at the rugby structure where it's built around provinces, and you look at GA where the success is actually built on counties. Uh, although, if you're from Leitrim, success yeah. isn't it's very hard to to come by. No, but, but they have a very yeah, small but, population as well. Yeah, no, but it, uh, the overall question, I mean, should there be even a move to look at even 
working along county or provincial lines because there is that kind of already a buy-in to loyalty like if you're from Sligo you'll support Sligo if you're from Mayo you already love Mayo in a sense and then if you build a club around that yeah. this is very long term but I don't know what that yeah. is their county oh yeah, yeah. yeah. what about Kilkenny <laughs> Yeah. They'll play nothing Turtles down. They'll play nothing down there. Only only Hurdle anyway. Yeah. Turles Town as well. So yeah. it, it's it's and and it's the an interesting thought, Raf. But you're completely wrong. But and uh, and, and, and the <laughs> expense the as well. The expense as well involved, Raf. Yeah, yeah. Huge expense. But uh, yeah, I just I'm think so if, sure, if, yeah. if soccer is going to thrive here, Fine. we we do need to spread it out beyond the borders. Yeah, 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 it has been. You'd, you'd yeah. love it, gentlemen. Uh, you know, Paddy is someone who's played in the league, and Raf is someone who who is a soccer journalist. Is it just about getting big days? Because the reason I support Cork City, even though I'm from County Waterford, I'm actually as close to Cork City as I am to Waterford City, is because of the game against Bayern Munich. It was the first time I was uh, kind of involved in in a game like that or or got to see a game like that. And it it was just such a big thing. And I realised there was this entity which had a big support by League of Ireland standards yeah. Park City and that's why I followed them that's why I followed League of Ireland so is that what we need to do is, is that how we grade it by I mean that's a, that, 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 that I mean that's it's wonderful to be in the Champions League and, 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 and in the time that I in the year I played in back, back in the 60s we uh, at Cross, we played Bayern Munich in 1966 in, 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 in the European uh, Cup and I think it was over 30 35,000 in, in daily round of the game yeah. and, and we drew one each of them and they beat us three two in, in in the second leg in, in Munich. This was a team with, with with Beckenbauer and Meyer and 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 uh, um, oh, what was the centre forward's name? Muller, yeah. Muller. What a what a player! Oh. and they're the nice that you that you that you that you strive for. You train you, you train for months and months, and you play for years and years to have a, have a night like that. Yeah. And I remember the the Cork City uh, the the Cork game and uh, against Bayern as well. Dave I think, I think that, Dave Barry that was a draw. Yeah. One each as well, wasn't it? Oh, I think. Yep. Yes. At Musgrave Park. At Mo- yes. Yeah. So I mean, they're wonderful nights to have. I mean, Dundalk have had Celtic in 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 Oriel Park. Just just for instance, yeah. uh, at Lone Town, had a, 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 was it Inter Milan down yeah. in at Lone, uh, with Trapattoni as the manager. They're they're dream nights. So that's why uh, a lot of players and a lot of clubs will continue on and and hope that the that the dream becomes reality. Look at Shells. It's, uh, ten years back with D forty D forty four that Corona, yeah. you know, mag- magical stuff, yep. and that's what you strive for. And a two all draw against uh, Lille in Lansdowne Road. Glenn Fitzpatrick yes. came off the bench and yeah. scored twice. Okay, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Raf Diallo of Team Thirty Three and off the ball, and Paddy Mulligan, formerly of Chelsea, Crystal Palace, West Brom, Ireland, and of course Shamrock Rovers. Thank you, Ocean. Cheers. Well, that's it from the Rewind this week. Don't forget a huge weekend of sport next weekend in the Rugby World Cup. It's Ireland against England. We've got the Merseyside Derby. That's live on News Talk as is Manchester United against Arsenal both games live and exclusive on Off The Ball I'm with you every morning this week just after half seven or just before half seven and half eight on News Talk Breakfast and Off The Ball on air Monday to Friday from seven o'clock and on Saturday at one and Sunday at twelve until next week goodbye and good luck